and dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for humbling yourself to become one of us. And thank you for this holiday that we're about to celebrate, to remember the gift of your presence among us. Because while we may not have realized what it meant when it was happening, the price you paid redeems us all back to you. We want to thank you for the opportunity to come and worship in your house this morning and to enjoy the fellowship that will follow this service, Lord. And I ask that the words spoken today be yours and not mine, so that they may bless each and every person here and listening, Lord. In Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Pick up the offering. How about 191? We'll do the first and last on this one. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy my own God and sinners reconciled Joyful all ye nations rise Join the triumph of the skies With the kneeling host proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings. Risen with healing in His. Mighty lays his glory. 
if y'all want to know why I did not play, it is because I have not played one Christmas song since my grandmother passed. I cannot touch a Christmas song without knowing that the joy that I have about Christmas is because she had so much joy at Christmas. And even as she got hot, even as she hurt, Christmas was her holiday. She wanted us to sing happy birthday to Jesus. I could always hear her singing, even when she didn't have the breath to sing, she sang. And I, this holiday, I cannot sit here at the piano and not think about her. And I was just really sweet about not letting me play and giving me that gift because he knows in fact my piano's been closed this whole season. I don't even look at it, which is very abnormal for me. Doug is used to coming home and me playing. <laughs> so I didn't play a Christmas song for the offering. I played my mammy's favorite song. This is the song that she sang when she didn't have a clue what to sing. And it's love lifted me. But that's what Christmas is about. Jesus humbled himself in a way that I can't comprehend. I'm a parent. I'm a mom. I don't know how you sacrifice your kid. And that's what God did. But he did it willingly. I mean, I'd give my life for Addison or Lily in a heartbeat. And I was willing to several years ago. doesn't even comprehend. But these words in this song mean so much to me. It means so much to my family. Because I know I just have to wait till he calls me home. And I'm going to have the biggest hug for my grandmother. My mamma will be waiting for me. And I can't wait for that time. Because I miss her so much. I didn't realize how much I'd miss her. I don't miss her being sick. I don't miss her in pain. I miss the young grandmother I had as a very little girl. The grandmother that was always got cookies and made sure I ate breakfast because I didn't like breakfast. <laughs> And that's what I want to hold on to this Christmas, is God's love. And that's why I play this song. And that's why I'm bawling. <laughs> but I'm a crybaby, so. <laughs> but Merry Christmas from our family to yours. And remember on Christmas Day that the greatest gift God gave us was his son. And as we celebrate Christmas with a gift to each other, we've already received the best gift. So don't forget him. 
and do me a favor. When you start your dessert round, sing happy birthday to Jesus. Because Christmas is the day that we celebrate his birthday. And we all get birthday songs to us.
y'all ever went through a neighborhood like that where because of who you were or where you come from everybody there didn't think you should be there it's what Jesus did he went out of his way in the middle of the day at an odd time to be traveling through the desert he sat down at a well because he knew there would be somebody there that he needed to talk to you know he went out of his way for us God does not have to send his son to this earth there are a million different ways God could offer us salvation but he chose to go out of his way for us And when you read the Christmas story, you start to wonder, why a manger? Why a feeding trough? That's animals' food in a stable, in a cave, in a hole in a wall, or a barn, or however you want to picture it. It doesn't matter. It's the same thing. There's hay. There's poop. There's smelly animals. This is probably the lowest place you could possibly be in a town, right? Why do you want to start your story there, Jesus? He looks at us and he goes, Where did you start your story with me at? How low were you? I got to thinking about it. And the reason we start our story at such a low spot in our lives is because we don't bother looking up till then. And he's been chasing us the whole time. He didn't wait for us to hit the low. We did. He went out of his way to chase us the whole time. He's been looking for us the whole time. And we didn't bother calling out for him until we were at the low. But when you go back to John chapter 4 and you read verses 10 through 14, it says, Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God, See, we all like gifts. We're about, about to start handing out gifts and receiving gifts. But this gift, if you knew the gift of a God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep, so where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Now we said that was hope. That was a symbol of hope and it is. But you don't have that unless he loves you. Why would he offer this gift if he didn't love us? See, while we we're still making excuses and following traditions and sinning and living our own lives, he loved us. And he came to do something that we couldn't do. And we find that the hope of Christ comes out of his life. Then when you skip on down to verse 21 and we read 
these few verses here. It says, Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and it's now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. And we talked about the peace that that brings, knowing that Christ has made a way for us to worship wherever. That her confession of what was going on in her life made a way for her to find peace in Christ. Again, we don't get the peace of Christ without his love. He made the way because He loved us for us to find peace, to worship Him freely, openly, wherever, whenever. That we're not bound to the traditions of the temple and of the old ways that we have to sacrifice animals on an altar and smear blood all over the place just to gain atonement. Because His blood was smeared and His sacrifice already to take a place. The scripture tells us that the veil was torn. That veil separated us from the Holy of Holies, the place where God rests. The path to God has been torn apart and opened up so that we can get there through Christ. It's because of His blood. Then we read on down and we find that the woman goes on into town and the disciples are there and now he's talking to the disciples. Starting in verse 31. It says, in the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. Can you imagine feeding Christ? We get to feed Christ when we accept his salvation. We bring him joy. And he shares that joy with us. It says, the disciples said to one another that someone had brought him something to eat. And that's in verse 33. It says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, Jesus told them. Don't you say there is still four more months and then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper can rejoice together for in this case the saying is true one sows and another reaps I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for others have labored and you have benefited from their labor you see we find joy in the reaping but that harvest wouldn't be there without Christ's life because others have got to sow seeds of love of Christ. We get to enjoy the harvest and reap from those seeds. And you will sow seeds that others will reap. 
because of his love. You see, we get to have joy and hope and peace for no other reason than that Christ loved us. And he told us how much he loved us in the previous chapter when he was speaking to a man named Nicodemus. And he was having a rooftop conversation in secret with a Pharisee. And a lot of people don't realize it, they don't pay attention too much. But we see Nicodemus later on in the story of Christ. He helps Joseph of Arimathea set up the gravesite. The very tomb. Because it's Nicodemus who goes and makes the deal to collect the body of Christ so it can be buried. So we know that this conversation had a profound effect on his life. The way that he talked. It must have changed. Starting in verse 14, we're not going to jump straight to 16. Everybody knows John 3:16, but we're going to go to John 3:14. It says, "Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way, He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish." but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Everyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Now you can just look at John 3.16 and it tells you about God's love. But when you look at all of it, the depth of his love. And there is so much more to God's love than just simply giving his life. He lived for us. He was born for us. He taught for us so that we could have his words that they would be recorded so that we could see his teachings. He died for us. Lifted up lifted up like the snake in the desert. If you don't know that story, take some time to go back to Exodus and find where Moses had to lift a brazen snake in the desert to heal the people. It sounds weird, but it's there. And when you kind of read it, you see what that snake was set upon in order for it to be lifted up start to see the semblance of what Christ was talking about here because it was on a bronze cross. And he said, like the snake in the desert, the Son of Man would have to be lifted on a cross. 
He knew it was coming. He knew it wouldn't be long. And he was telling Nicodemus all about it. He was showing his love to Nicodemus then. And in Romans 5, we'll start in uh, verse 6, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Rome and trying to tell of this single act of love that Christ did. It says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Did y'all catch that? He didn't come for the righteous. He come for people like you and me who were lost in sin. He died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. We rejoice. Because of God's love. God's love is so powerful. It redeemed us. And we like to use the word saved. But I want you to paint a picture in your mind. A person's walking across the street and you see a bus coming. And you push them out of the way. You saved them. Right? But he's free to go on about his life. I like to use the word redeemed more than saved. Because when I think about redeemed, I think about something or someone who already belongs where I'm at. And if I was to redeem somebody, I'm bringing it home. See, when God created this world in Genesis, He created a garden that man was walking in. Adam and Eve were there, conversating with God, walking with God, sharing time with God, living with God. Sin separated them. being redeemed we're brought back to the garden where we can conversate with God where we can walk with God where we can talk with God we can spend time with God because we've been redeemed we've been brought back and one day we will be taken back to our home we are foreigners in this land we belong to a kingdom far greater than this one day we will be redeemed to that home. Like our loved ones that we're missing during this time of year who have already been redeemed. They are already there. And when you give your life to Christ and you accept the salvation that He has offered, and you accept the sacrifice that He has paid 
part of you is already in touch with that. You know that it's real in your heart. Because God is speaking to you through the Spirit. He's telling you all about it. And you can feel it when you get together with people who are like-minded in that way. Because instantly you smile. You hug each other. You shake each other's hands. You greet each other. You talk. You carry on. You enjoy each other's company. It's a different feel than just out in the regular world where you constantly walk past people every single day and you ignore each other. Because you don't belong there. One day we will go home and know what pure, real, true love feels like because of all that will be around us. And how important is love? The scripture I want to end with is one of my favorites. I love the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 13. But this last scripture, this last verse, says these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And what he was saying is when you strip everything else away in this world, all you're left with is faith, hope, and love. And two of those wouldn't exist without the other. You can't know what faith in God is without His love. And you can't know what the hope of God is without His love. Because of the price that was paid on that cross on Calvary, we know God's love. Jesus started His story in a manger, in a feeding trough, to remind us that when we got to our lowest is when we looked up. When we are at our lowest point in life, and they tell you when you hit rock bottom there's no way to go but up, that's when you realize he's been chasing you the whole time. So if you're at that point, look up and know God's love. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for your blessing and for this message that you've given of love and salvation and redemption. We ask that you honor anybody's request to receive your gift. And that we may remember the reason this year is we celebrate Christmas time with our families. And that we remember that no matter what's going on during that celebration, we keep you on the front of our minds. And that's the reason that we're there. That's the reason that we're with family and that we're celebrating because you came to us and lived among us and died for us. But more importantly, Lord, you were raised for us. You conquered death for us. And you made a way for us. God, I ask that you honor that, that way. That you honor any request to receive your spirit, Lord, that you fill us with it. And let us feel your presence, especially during this holiday season. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.